Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. This is a special edition of this show recorded on my birthday, March the 22nd. We spoke with our colleague Chris Baldwin of The War Room, which will also be putting up the contents of the show about a whole bunch of different topics, including wrestling, boxing, LGBTQ sports, and much more. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skull's that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, Please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Welcome to the show, Eddie. It's the War Room with the Sage of Combat Sports. Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred. How are you doing today? Eddie, it's your birthday, baby. Yes, thank you. And thank you, everybody, Eddie, who gave me birthday wishes all over the place through every means of communication that's available. And it's another one, another one around the sun, you know, so we're still here. How old are you, Eddie? How old I'm are you 18 now? again for the fourth time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 80, 80 what? That's 72. 
I say it like that. I say it like that because, and I've told this to some friends, there's only so much we can do about the aging of our bodies. We can take care of them, right. get proper medical care, but there's only so much. But there's a lot we can do to keep the mind, which is part of our bodies, young and fresh. And that shouldn't be overlooked. And I told some people, I don't know if I ever told you, my favorite birthday greeting was several years ago when I got a a phone call from my grandkids who were then all a lot younger, who then, you know, 10 years uh, old and younger. And as soon as I uh-huh. picked up the phone, and I, I couldn't, re- there's no way for me to record it, they start singing, happy birthday to you, you belong in a zoo, you look yeah. like <laughs> a monkey, and you smell like one too. And then they all laughed the way that that gleeful, innocent sound that little right. kids make. It was great. and And, you know, their mom, they were horrified, but I loved it. And then they just quickly added, "We learned it from you." <laughs> and that was that was true. <laughs> I tried, you know, I, right. and I told them I loved it and thanked them. And every year I record a version of the the real happy birthday song for them, and I email it to them, and they still get it, even though they're getting older now. So it's, right, it's become sort of a well. Tradition. I'm gonna play Stevie what. I'm going to play Stevie Wonder's song for you, Happy Birthday. Okay. I don't know if you can hear this. Yeah, I don't know if I can put it on No Holds Barred, but with the copyright stuff. Oh, well, we'll just do a little clip. Exactly. We could do like 15 seconds. Happy Birthday, Eddie. Thank you. Well, I, I couldn't hear it anyway. Shut so. down. Couldn't hear it anyway. <laughs> it'll be so. on the, it'll be on the, It'll be on a recording, don't worry. Okay. But, um, okay, so let's get started with, um, you You watched the NC, was it NCAA Wrestling? The NCAA uh, Division One Wrestling Championships, which last year had to be canceled because of the coronavirus pandemic. So there was a lot of built-up mm-hmm. anticipation to this. And I thought, in terms of the wrestling, there were just so many storylines, so many great things. We had talked about earlier uh, the two budding stars of wrestling at 125 Spencer Lee won, and at heavyweight Gable Stevenson won. They each had very different stories. Lee said afterwards he was wrestling on a torn ACL, and yet he still won his mm. finals match with a shutout. But it went the distance. Wow. He was unable to get bonus points. But this guy is incredible. But we'll see in what shape he is for if he's going to be able to compete in the Olympic trials. And the other one, Gable Stevenson, is a very cocky, big guy. Moves like a cat. When you watch this guy wrestle, he's a, he wrestles like a lightweight. The way he moves can come in on a low single. Just really moves quickly mm-hmm. to courts. As strong as an ox. And so the question is going to be who's going to get the Hodge Trophy for this shortened season, which for most didn't start till about January, and also had a lot of meets that were canceled because during the season of coronavirus. I would give it a, both of them. I, don't, I hope they can do that to both Spencer Lee and Gable Stevenson. But the other wrestling, mm-hmm. so many incredible stories. Normally, the seating uh, group the seating committee does a great job 
and I think they did again this year. Normally, the average of is about five to seven number one seeds win in the ten weight classes. This year, only three number one seeds won, and that included Lee and Stevenson, who were head and shoulders above very good competition, but were just amazing. And I think that had to do, I don't think the seeding committee made mistakes. I just think because of a shortened season, some of the number ones couldn't really pace themselves to peak for the NCAA tournament. And some of the younger wrestlers that won also would have been perhaps more obviously number one had they had the regular length of a season to develop. So there were just so many stories. Carter Storacci, a wrestler we've been talking about for a while, lost in the Big Ten Finals. He's from Penn State. He lost to Michael Kammerer of Iowa, but he won in the national championship with a takedown in sudden victory. So that was really something. His teammate, another young wrestler, Roman Bravo Young, who also was not rated number one, defeated, he's also from Penn State, he defeated the number one Dayton Fix from Oklahoma State, who most people figured would win. Penn State had four finalists, and they all won. But Iowa, which only had one national champion, Lee, won the team title by a lot because they got a lot of twos, threes, four, fives, a lot of different All-Americans. They had a very balanced team that was out there. There was a story at 165, perhaps the lowest seeded wrestler and biggest upset, Shane Griffith of Stanford, who was ranked number eight. He won his final by a clear-cut 6-2 margin over Jake Wenzel of Pittsburgh, who had been seeded number three. And the big story is that it's possible that this is the last time we will see Stanford wrestling. Because the suits at Stanford are getting rid of a number of so-called non-revenue sports programs, including wrestling. And there's an amazing story, Sports Illustrated had a lot about this, that even though the people who are supporters of the wrestling team have raised something like $12 million to self-fund and endow the team, the university turned it down. And they said, okay, if it's not about... If it's not about money, what is it about? And these bureaucrats right. never gave them a straight answer, even though there have been numerous people who have been speaking to them, and this has been recorded and put on the media. My feeling is that what's happening are a couple of things going on. I think that some of these people want to remove sports from college in general and not see them as educational. So they pick the ones that have not brought in money. They'll keep football and basketball, which bring in money. But I think there's a general view that they don't understand the mind and body relationship, which I sort of referred to Mm -hmm. a little earlier, that a, a, a sound mind and a sound body. They don't understand that. And there's a move away among certain sections of the, quote, intelligentsia, from physical activity in general. So I think that's that's part of it. And I think in particular for wrestling, there are certain people that they view wrestlers as uh, ruffians and combat sports and all that sort of stuff. 
So this struggle is still continuing. So the Stanford team wore all black singlets during the tournament with no logos on them. And they had keep mm -hmm. Stanford wrestling t-shirts. They're continuing this battle, but they may be done. So with a national championship on, on ESPN and national TV, Shane Griffith may be the last Stanford wrestler. The other side yeah. of it is that wrestling has just done a terrible job of promoting itself, getting itself in the public eye, building support, even though other combat sports like MMA, you see one after the other, wrestlers just doing so well in it. Wrestling has continued to lose top-level programs more than just because of the, the pandemic. They've continued to be marginalized. In fact, this event was scheduled, to, was only started live on ESPN 16 minutes late. This is a national championship because there was an NIT early round basketball game that was still going on. So they kept showing that what? beyond the hour it was. Right. And th that shows you the disrespect among these suits that that wrestling has. Mm -hmm. So, and, and wrestling does all sorts of crazy things. In fact, the, the, the people that really care about wrestling are not in charge of the sport in many cases. And where they are, they don't know what the hell to do. They put it... They put the sport behind a paywall. They, particularly in freestyle and Greco, there are just crazy, absolutely crazy rules. They don't build support from others. And if you if you watch the finals, this is just one other example. You'll see there was a large presence in the finals and among the winners from non-white wrestlers, wrestlers of color. To use, I'm not crazy about that phrase, but wrestlers with uh, right. black and Latino backgrounds and yet they had the announcing team was all white male and I believe all of the coaches of all the wrestlers who made it to the finals both first and second place were all white so this is the head coaches so there's there's this white supremacist culture and structure in wrestling and they're not dealing with it and they're wondering why it's losing popularity and it keeps getting pushed around so i would suggest mm -hmm. watch it if you can i'm sure it's up on their website somewhere it was a, a hell of an event but it's just getting unfortunately uh, weaker and weaker as a sport which is an absolute disgrace since it's the world's oldest sport it is but it has a small i think it has a small fan base and that's why they can't really monetize it but i'm fascinated that those guys raised 12 million dollars and so why don't they just start their own league well that's the question should wrestling just forget about the whole college sports model and move yeah. on but the they other problem is that see mm -hmm. usa wrestling is separate from that when they were, they're running the Olympic trials in a couple of weeks. And they have numerous national champions involved in that. But if you look at the TV ratings and the attendance, it's much greater for the NCAA Division One wrestling championships every year. This year, with the attendance, of course, it was different because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They had limited, limited fans in St. Louis. But every year they filled whatever arena, 16, 18, 20,000 people, they fill it up for all six sessions. And 
the Olympic trials doesn't even come close to that in terms of attendance or in TV ratings, and it's mismanaged so much. For example, the Olympic trials are coming up in wrestling in a couple of weeks, and yesterday I spent about a half hour trying to find out what TV network was showing it, and I couldn't come up with anything, and I'm pretty good at finding these things. It might have been somewhere, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. on the NBC Olympic site. It wasn't on the USA Wrestling site. It wasn't on a couple of other sites that I looked. So it might be televised somewhere, but I can't even tell you right now where it's going to be televised. And I think it's supposed to be uh, April 2nd and 3rd, I think, are the dates that it's going to be. That shows you the terrible promotion of wrestling that still goes on. So that's, that's where we're at with that. And, and I, I would just well, add one other. I would like add it. one other controversial thing. USA mm-hmm. Wrestling on their website and others uh, post events from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is an organization that has a stance, the anti-LGBTQ marriage stance, is one of their key principles. So why are they continuing to post this stuff from this organization? not good and that's just an example of the 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 dumb conservative reactionary culture that dominates in wrestling and more and it's self-destructive and it marginalizes it right and which is why they probably don't have a fan base and which is why Stanford probably cut the program well it that adds to it if they if they right. were revenue positive in many places other than Iowa and Penn State schools a lot of schools wouldn't look at it the same way and they are hit obviously the pandemic has taken a an economic toll on everyone but when they do that they cut the weakest so a lot of a lot of dumb moves but it's not going to change with the current leadership ncaa really doesn't care too much about wrestling and usa wrestling which cares about it doesn't know what the hell to do and i worked for years with people in USA wrestling, with people on the international level, and it's not going to change. Not going to change anytime soon, unfortunately. That's the sad thing, and that means they have to move to a different model. And no one's been able to establish successfully a real pro wrestling league, which is why. Well, I still, as you heard, I love watching the NCAA wrestling championships. It's usually my favorite sporting event of the year and has been so for many, many years. But that's also why I'm focusing more on sumo and in the United States, the U.S. Sumo Federation, people that seem to be growing and and have a a better, more openness to doing what needs to be done to make the sport popular and, and trying to work out a road towards that end. Did you wrestle as a, a, a I, I wrestled college? in high school. I didn't wrestle high in college. School? When I was in college, okay. nobody actually approached me to wrestle, and there was so much going on politically at the time that I did not want to devote the time. I wasn't very good at it, and I did not want to devote the time that I knew it would have 
demanded. Had it been a different era, a different situation, right. maybe I, you know, mm -hmm. I certainly would have considered it, even though I wouldn't have been particularly good. I wasn't particularly good as a high school wrestler and as a college wrestler. You know, I was going to be looking up at the lights a lot. <laughs> but there are other, other right, combat sports. Yeah, I, I want I want to give a shout out to our colleague Martin Stark. And he's a name that I okay. think people should really know in the combat sports. He's the founder of the World Gay Boxing Championships. He's from Australia. And this is an amateur event. He's he's in his 40s, so he loves to box, but he's not going to be any world or Olympic champion or anything like that. He sees the benefits right. of training in the sport, self-defense and all of that. And he realized that he had found that while a lot of sports are popular in the LGBTQ community, there wasn't that much boxing, organized boxing going on. So, for example, in 2022, you have the, the gay games is, this next year is going to be in Hong Kong. And we know with the political situation is very unstable in Hong Kong and with the pandemic, Probably the pandemic won't be a big, as big of an issue because it's set for November of, of 2022. The political situation is anybody's guess, but right now they're going ahead with that. And there are a lot of sports, including combat sports, on the program of the gay games. Wrestling, for example, has been on its program since it started in 1982, including 2020, 2022. And, in fact, when they ran their event in uh, New York in 1994, I covered the wrestling, at, which was held at the NYU's gymnasium. And the NYU wrestling team, Division Three team, helped them set up the mats and do all the stuff that you had to set it up. And they got a nice crowd. And as far as I remember from 94, the, that was the largest crowd to see wrestling in New York. Of any different event and I was going to all kinds of wrestling events at the time in 94 and they used somewhat slightly modified freestyle wrestling rules that are used in Olympic freestyle wrestling and they have martial arts they have other combat sports but not boxing so Martin Stark wants to get that on the program of the gay games and so they now his organization is working with the gay games so there won't be time for 2022 to get it on the program but he's hoping that it'll be on for 2026 where they're still doing the bid process we don't know what city it'll be in and he and martin's going to be on this new event and i sent you the information on it called unleashed and you could look mm -hmm. it up the unleashed lgbtq site he's going to be making a presentation on uh this coming thursday March the 25th, and you could get all the details. It's supposed to be at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Central Time. So if you go to their website, you could get more of the, the details, and he's active on social media all over the place. So I think that's, that's, that's being forward-looking in sports and trying to solve a problem. Right, absolutely. I would love to see the uh, boxing as part of the gay game. Yeah, of course, this is an amateur. you got to remember also the level of competition there. 
these are recreational athletes. It's not supposed to be another right. version of the Olympics where you have the elite or supposedly the elite athletes from around the world. Or semi-pros, right. Yeah, yeah you, you, may have, you may have somebody, it depends on the sport, with some experience in there. But they actually wouldn't be, you know, they don't they don't want to see like a world champion or all-American wrestlers or people like that just going into that event to win and, and blow everybody away. It's for recreational athletes. There are other events, obviously, for the elite athletes. And, it, and it's something which, uh, they're, so it's not a counter-Olympics because they work with the International Olympic Committee. But there were more recreational events. If you go back to the history of in the 20s and 30s, the, the Workers' Olympics that the Socialist and Communist parties had countering what they, they what they called the bourgeois Olympics, they were, but the, uh, the rise of the victory of fascism in Europe and then World War II snuffed all that out. And after World War II, it was only revived in much smaller form. So you have a CSIT that's for workers and amateur uh, games, but it's much smaller. It only exists in a couple of countries. And it never really reestablished itself, which has to do with political and social reasons. But this is an event that, again, recreational athletes. So if you're a recreational athlete and you want to participate in it, whatever, you know, whoever you are, I would I would check this out. Again, we don't know what, where it's going to be in 2026. Guadalajara, Mexico is one of the the finalists of the bid cities, but we don't know at this point when they're going to, I don't know anyway, when we're going to make a final decision, but check this out. I think it's an event worth supporting. Well, I'm going to definitely check out his uh, presentation because I did register for Unleashed. So I'll be, uh, I'm going to definitely try to check out his show. I mean, his presentation for sure. So Eddie, let's get down to your uh, birthday questions. Now, okay. you have been in this business for a, a gazillion years because you are seasoned. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I want to ask you first, what's the most memorable interview you've ever done? Who was it with? What year? Give us the details. Wow. There are a lot of them. Um, perhaps the one that people would find most memorable was one of the shortest interviews I did, and I don't exactly know where the tape is at this point, was around 2002 or 2003 with uh, Muhammad Ali. And it was actually at an event where a group of people organized the Muhammad Ali magazine. I think they only had one issue. I don't know if it's supposed to have more. But they held a, a, a press meeting in New York with a lot of the boxing people. And of course, by that time, everybody loved Muhammad Ali. And he took questions. And I asked him a question there. And and, and everybody there knew his, his greatness. And if you're not familiar with Muhammad Ali's boxing record, look it up. A lot of his fights, they're on YouTube and all that. And I said to him, which are you proudest of? Your accomplishments in the ring or out of the ring? I, I know what the answer was going to be. And he said, and he was mm-hmm. still speaking very softly then. You could tell, you know, he was physically going downhill. He just said right away, out of the ring. 
And there was a gasp mm-hmm. among all these boxing people. They didn't expect that. But I knew he was going to say it because as great of a, as a boxer and an inspiring an athlete as he was, he was someone who stood for peace. He stood against racism and white supremacy. We know he was an anti-war uh, activist back right. in the 60s and 70s during uh, the U.S. Uh, war in Indochina and all of that. And I, that was one of the most memorable things. I think some of the interviews that I'm proudest of that I did were with Fallon Fox, who was the first openly transgender MMA fighter, because I did not first, I first heard about her like most people did when these stories about her started appearing. And I didn't know her because I really wasn't covering that much MMA live at the point. So eventually I contacted her and she had to figure out who I was and had her on the had her on Noel's part a bunch of different times because I felt defending her rights, opposing all the bigotry, all the nonsense, that was something that I had to do. That was you had to stand mm-hmm. up for something that was right. And so I had her on numerous times on Noel's part. Now she's retired as a fighter, but I could probably think of some more that I could that I've had over the years. Some of uh, some of the wrestlers have had many of the greatest wrestlers on the show, many of the greatest MMA fighters, many of the greatest boxers in their prime on the show. So they're like uh, so many, so many of them. But th- those are, if I had to pick two right from uh, the top of the list, those are two of the ones because that really. Oh, yeah, those are. Yeah, that was more than just covering a fight or even dealing with an issue. That was getting right to the heart of a lot of things why I do this. Right, absolutely. Those are two great examples uh, and two iconic people like just in the fight game, period. Uh, Fallon and I are friends on Facebook. And, um, you know, I've watched her journey and I know it's been tough for her. And... um, you know, I wish I could see her coaching somebody. And, you know, I, I wonder what she's doing these days. Have you talked to her recently? Uh, a few months ago, I've been emailing her. She said she really didn't want to do any interviews. And I think she had done some mm-hmm. traveling. So I just think she's getting she's getting her life together. But, yeah, I think it would be great if she could do right. some coaching. And I think also, the you know, we talked earlier about these kind of organizations like the Gay Games and others should really reach out to her because she played such an important role and was just attacked right. so much by the Trump family and, and people like that. So I think agree she's iconic Absolutely. and I'd love to see her do something and, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Right. Yep. Okay, my next question is going to be what was your toughest interview or your most awkward interview? That had to do more with physical problems that I have because, you know, as I get older, I don't hear that well. And if somebody's really whispering, it gets, uh, it's, it's, especially if English isn't their first language, it gets a little difficult to keep mm-hmm. a pace in an interview. So there was one, it wasn't, it was with a boxer. It wasn't really the fault of the boxer. It was just, it was in a noisy room. So you're asking a question right. and 
the person answers and you can't hear them and then you got to ask another question that became a little that became a little hard for me right that is i can't imagine um so what's next for you eddie what is your as you move into the beautiful number 72 <laughs> what is your plan for no holds barred and eddie goldman still doing no holds barred as a podcast still following mm-hmm. wrestling boxing the martial arts general combat sports as i said with an emphasis on sumo still doing the patreon page which you have to put up a lot of articles behind a paywall because so many of these these uh, fools who are running these different websites they don't want to pay for anything that's intelligent or anything that goes against the propaganda of the networks and promoters mm-hmm. so right. my patreon page is patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman and I encourage people it's you know you can pretty much give whatever you want but I'd encourage people to subscribe so I can really still do the no holds barred analysis in writing and I really document this stuff I got a nice shout out from our colleague Charles Farrell who said you know I do my due diligence for these articles I don't write one word without checking it first and documenting it if you see the articles there are a lot of footnotes to them because if I say something happened or I put a quote I want people to know unless it was directly in an interview that I did and there are sometimes I quote those I want people to know exactly where it came from and they could look it up for themselves both so they could learn how to do research and they could evaluate these issues by themselves too so still doing Patreon, Absolutely. still doing No Holds Barred, and maybe maybe a couple of other things going on. No, no interest well, in Eddie. I wish. <laughs> no, in, in no what? interest no in anybody in having me uh, do a, a, an OnlyFans page, I guess. But what can I say? <laughs> well, I don't even know what that is. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick That's to my good. little you don't YouTube know. page. That's all I do. <laughs> But Eddie, it is you are one of my favorite boxing analysis. Uh, you know, I follow you religiously because I I love your insight, and I thank you for coaching me along the way. I love your podcast and your interviews, and I want you to have the best birthday ever. I have put on my glow glasses for you today, and I have my glow stick so we could party. I can't play any music right now because, you know, we, we'll get booted off. But I'm going to play my air drums and wish you the best birthday ever, brother. Thank you. We didn't even talk about the, some of the boxing this weekend. We had two undefeated knockout artists add to the knockout streak in different ways. Virgil Ortiz Jr., 22 years old. That defeating. was a good fight. Yeah, it was that, a good fight. Yeah, that was, that He's was only 22. I still think he's had a few fights at welterweight. He still needs a little bit better uh, footwork. He can be hit, uh, but he's only 22. But they want to throw him in right away with Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence. I think that's premature. And Arthur Better Biev defended his unified light heavyweight titles. But he looked a little flat. He had been out of the ring for a while. A lot of it had to do with the pandemic. And... A lot of them expected to blow out his mandatory 
pretty quickly. It took till later in the fight. And I don't think, by the way, when I watched it, it looked like after the fight. I don't know if anybody picked this up. When he was celebrating in the ring, one of the people in his corner put him on a cell phone, I guess a FaceTime or something like that, with uh, Kataroff, the uh, Chechnyan strongman who's known for putting LGBTQ people in camps and all of that. And they were celebrating and all this together. It looked like it was Kataroff. And he's from, from there and from the Akmat Fight Club, I believe. So I didn't see that mentioned. It certainly wasn't mentioned on the on the telecast on ESPN. So all this, all this stuff. Well, ties they're not up. gonna. They're not gonna talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you Those got guys me don't around. talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. everything is good. Crazy. They were just pushing, uh, having him fight Joe Smith Jr. because he has a fight coming up in a few weeks. Also on ESPN. So there was like a, you know, propaganda telecast. Exactly. But um, let's, you know, we can top it up later uh, to, if you want to talk more about those fights. Cause, you that's know, that's that. enough. That's that's, that's enough <laughs> yeah. for now in those fights. There's always, right, more, cool. always more things coming up. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, look, we're going to, you know, get to it. I'll see you next week for the next episode. You have a fantastic birthday. Don't eat too much cake, Eddie. I don't eat any cake. I can't <laughs> anymore. Uh, that's good. You don't need that. <laughs> when you're 72, anyway. you don't start. You don't. If you're eating cake, you have a, a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right, thank you, thank you, to you, thank you, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Have a wonderful birthday. Talk to you later. Bye bye. No holds barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart. The legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And... Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.